Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ariel Martinez. Welcome to my podcast. So podcast number four, I'm extremely happy with the feedback that I've been getting from you guys. You guys have been great uh, in following uh, this podcast. And I, and I think that this is I found a really good way to 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 be able to stay connected with you guys and, and continue to talk to you guys while not causing a huge distraction in my workflow with my professional work. So uh, thank you guys for that. And thank you guys for continuing to listen. With that being said, I want to start this episode by continuing to announce that the giveaway is still going on with Zoom Sound Lab and AVP distributors. Uh, we're currently doing a giveaway on Instagram where we're giving away two Zoom H4N Pros. These Recorders are really, really good, solid recorders, especially if you're a beginner. They're really, really good. Um, you know, I, I've gone through the H4N and even a couple of models before the H4N, and they're fantastic, fantastic recorders. The H4N was the first one that I was able to use XLR inputs with, and it, it, it was really, really a game changer back when I was a, a beginner, which is really not that long ago. It was like four or five years ago. But... Since then, I've upgraded, and now I'm excited to be partnering up with Zoom Sound Lab to host this giveaway with you guys. So if you go on to Instagram and, and you're following at Film School, my other account that I that I manage, um, or you're following myself at Ariel Martinez Jr., Ariel Martinez Jr., um, you can go ahead and see the post. Uh, we've been I've been reposting it quite often, especially on Film School. I've been reposting it. So... As part of the rules for this giveaway, to be entered for a chance to win, you have to be following Zoom Sound Lab, AVP Distributors, Underscore Distributors, and Ariel Martinez Jr. Repost the image and tag three friends in your image and use the hashtag AVP Giveaway. And unfortunately, this is only for U.S. Uh, residents. They're only able to ship in the U.S. And um, But... What I'm telling everyone is if you have a U.S. contact, you can go ahead and use that contact to be able to receive the item for you. Anyways, with that being said, in today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about quoting your clients, how to quote your clients. This is a very this is actually this is tricky business because obviously everybody wants to get to the point where they're getting paid to make these videos. And it's very tricky business when it when it comes to quoting clients. It's probably one of the scariest things that I've had to overcome. It, it's very, it's it's nerve wracking, especially if you have no experience doing this. When I first started, I was quoting out of my butt. I had no idea what I was saying. What ended up happening is that I was, first of all, under quoting like crazy. I was giving quotes that I, I could not believe I, I gave that quote. And what happened is that I would get stuck with projects that I'm doing so much more work than I'm getting paid for. And it just ends up not being worth it to me. But I did give my word that I would complete it. And I'm pretty much stuck with the project. And, you know, the client's difficult. And it's really hard to, to, to finish, follow through on a project like that. But, you know, if, you're, if you find yourself in a situation like that, you have no choice. You have to finish it because your word is, is pretty much what drives your business. If you don't have a word, if your client cannot trust you, then they're never going to do business with you ever again. You don't want to get, start getting any bad reviews on any directories. You just don't want to go that route. So anyways, um, 
to give better quotes, th- I believe that giving better quotes to your clients really comes with experience. The more you continue to do projects, you're, you're going to continue to understand how long each individual task takes you to do. Here's an example. So, you know, when if, you know, Ford, Chevy, Honda, whenever they make commercials, you see them on TV, they're 30 second commercials. Those commercials can cost anywhere from 20, 30, 40 thousand dollars just for a 30 second spot. Right. But, you know, I've made commercials for a fraction of that. I don't see any of that. So I've made 30 second commercials for a huge fraction of that. The reason for that is the the quality of production that they that they hire. They hire cranes, they hire camera operators, they rent out studios, they rent they close down roads. They they go all out for their commercials. This just goes to show you that not every video is the same even if it's the same time. A big mistake that I used to do is I would just basically quote based on how long the video is not even concerning myself with what is going to go into the video like what they want into it and i learned to not (laughs) i've learned to not overlook that real real fast so if a client wanted i've made one to two minute videos all the time but they're not all the same some of them took weeks and months to complete others took just a few days this goes to to show you that you have to take into account how long each individual task takes from pre-production, production, and post-production. And I would even say before doing all that, I would say uh, determine what your value is worth. If, if you're just starting out, don't start off charging $200 an hour, right? That's not going to go well with you because if you're charging $200 an hour and you have the a beginner's uh, experience level um, and your client sees that, it's not going to go well with you. I, I don't, I've never been asked to, to give a full refund. I've never, but know, know what your role is, know where you're at, um, in the, you know, know where you, where you stand, know your value. I think, um, I w- I would say, and this is my own personal opinion. This is not fact or how it should be. This is my own personal opinion. Please do not take this, take this with a grain of salt. I think if you're just starting out, um, if you're fresh out of film school, um, I would, I would start off by charging 40 to 50 bucks an hour for each project. And then obviously with the, all the experience that you have determine how long a project will take you, uh, you know, you have your, you have your rate for a full day's work. There's, there's usually the industry standard is about 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours, depending what you want to, uh, go by and then you know you have your overtime if if productions which quite out quite often they do they go into overtime then they'll pay you time and a half if the client agrees to that um so knowing all of that like if a client wants to meet you at the location before take all that into account make those hours and then if you're driving your car for so long and using your gas uh to go places determine how long that's going to take you how much gas that's going to take you and then factor all that in it's going to take quite a bit of uh, time and experience um but after some time i'm confident that you you will definitely get the hang of it you'll see what's going on you'll see how how one your what your value is worth what is your value and this goes with your experience level and the equipment that you're using little by little start getting a little more affirmative with your with your quoting yeah i know that 
especially me, I was very timid when I would give a, a client a quote. And again, I would always undercharge. But as you continue to do projects, you're going to see your work. You're going to see the re reaction that your client gets from your work. It's going to give you a lot more confidence as you continue and moving forward. So take that into consideration. Know that, you know, and have confidence in your work. Be humble about it, but have good confidence knowing that your client is getting a good deal. So take all that into account, you know, and, and that's, and that's what I would do. So if you know that your, your work, like for the most part, if it's just a video that you're shooting and that's where you're piecing together, it's usually not that long. But if you're, if your client wants a lot of graphics and animation, which by the way, I don't really do too much graphic and animation at all. I usually, uh, subcontract someone else to do that for me. And then I obviously factor in whoever I hire for that job. I'll, I'll factor in their, their rate for that. So all this stuff is, is what you really have to consider when, when you're quoting a client. So one rule of thumb that I like to do is I, I don't quote clients in our initial meeting. What I do is in our initial meeting, whether it's a phone call, whether it's video chat, whether it's a lunch meeting or I just simply go to their office and we, we talk for a little bit. Um, I never give a quote in that initial meeting because it, I don't want to slip up and make a mistake and under quote. And then I'm stuck with a with a really big project and just not enough money or funds. And it's just very embarrassing to just go back and um, ask your client for more money because you didn't you made a mistake. So that's not something that you want to do. So anything that goes into your project, uh, anything that you have to buy, even like music, even voiceover, the, the time that, you know, you, you want to ask your clients, do you want specific music? Do you want a voiceover for this? How long is the voiceover? W one thing that I like to first find out from my client when um, for their project before giving a quote, obviously, is what's their budget? If they give you a budget, that basically solves everything, right? If your client says, I have $1,500 to make a, a one-minute video, all right, what do you want? All right, so if that's your budget and knowing your rate, knowing your rate, then start finding out what they want. And then you'll have to determine whether that's worth it to you or not. Right. Because if they want something that's going to require you to shed expenses, that it's going to leave you basically with 200 bucks at the end, it's probably not even worth it. You have to let them know that budget has to go higher because based on what you told me, I can give you based on what you told me, I can deliver that project, but it's going to cost you such and such. So that's something that you should not be afraid to do that. I've come across dozens and dozens of clients that are just they don't have the a really big budget to do a project and and oftentimes I had to tell them we're gonna have to raise that budget if you want this done either this way or we're just gonna have to go the cheap route if you want this done that way when they decide to go the cheap route that's fine I have no problem with it so long as I'm getting my cut if I'm getting my hours paid for I'll do whatever the client really initially, you know, whatever the client wants, they're not going to, I'm not going to be able to get like the fancy voiceover recording. I'm going to have to get something much cheaper if I don't record it myself. Anyways, understanding that it's, I think it's going to help you get better and better at quoting your clients. Don't be, don't be timid. 
again, rule of thumb, do not quote them in, in your on your initial meeting, even though I know they're going to be looking or asking for one. The line that I usually that I would like to that I like to say is, well, uh, with, you know, I, I got all the information. If there's anything else, I'm going to go ahead and go back and and uh, factor these numbers, put them put these numbers up and I'll come back with I'll I'll be back with you and I'll go ahead and email you an official estimate. And that's what I usually say. Usually they don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, every now and then they'll ask me for a ballpark figure. And that's where I'm like, I really I, I really can't. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I got to see if some of my people are available. If not, I'm going to have to see who else I can find, etc. So I'll, I'll basically give them the runaround. I'll really try hard not to give them any kind of quote beforehand because it's, it's just I don't want to make the mistake of getting stuck with the project that I, I, I'm doing a lot more work than than what they're paying. And I have absolutely no problem charging them extra because sometimes you're going to be stuck with some clients that are going to want a heck of a lot of revisions. And it's, you know, there, there, there's sometimes where it's gotten to the point where uh, I had to tell some clients that, listen, well, I'm going to do this last revision for you, but anything more than this, you know, I'm going to have to start charging, uh, you know, X amount an hour with any further revisions that you're going to want because it's already passed, you know, what we've initially agreed upon your 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 rate or your budget uh basically has already covered everything i've already done you get you continue to want revisions which is okay but you know sometimes you have those difficult clients sometimes clients that that just go back and forth you know um and it's so and it's great when they have the money to to pay for any uh, it's great when they have the money to pay for all the revisions that they want but not so great when they don't and then they you know they're gonna want to argue and say well this should be included in the budget no it should not this is something that, and this is always good to get this stuff in writing. It's always, it's always good to to make sure that they understand that this comes with two, three revisions max, you know, um, and a redo, a complete redo of the video is not count as a revision. That does not count as a revision. I, I, I don't, I don't, I personally choose not to, to, to play that game with them, um, but. You know, obviously, be flexible. Be flexible, and and, and keep up. And it's up to your discretion what you decide to to allow and not allow from your clients. But it, it's always, you know, don't don't let them, you know, take advantage of you either. You know, be nice and be flexible, but don't don't be taken advantage of. Anyways, um, I hope that was uh, helpful to you guys. If you have any questions on this topic, you can go ahead and ask me on my website, arielmartinez.tv slash podcast. Uh, you can leave your comments right on the podcast. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you would like to, to hear. And uh, for sure, I would definitely love to answer your questions. So I have a question here. How do you maintain your relationship with your contacts slash network? Um. The thing with my contacts and the way that I run my business, I don't run my business as a corporation. I run my business as an individual. So for the most part, all of my clients, I have them on a, you know, texting basis for the most part. And, you know, we'll text back and forth. We'll, we'll get connected on Instagram and whatever it is on Facebook. And, I, and I'll maintain with them on social media. I think it's a it's a nice uh less formal way than email of maintaining contact with your clients you let them know how 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 you're doing and you, you know, i guess you just start i guess liking their posts 
uh, write a few comments on their post. And I do that with a bunch of my clients and a bunch of my clients are, um, are actual companies and I make sure that I'm following them and I'm commenting on their posts and, and they actually take notice. They'll take notice in that, believe it or not. But that's, that's how I do it. I don't, you know, I'm not a part of any, uh, chamber of commerce type deal. I'm not a part of, uh, any paid network groups, uh, for businesses. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't, uh, I think the only uh, directory that I that I pay for is a uh, production hub because production hub actually brings me work. Anything else other than that, I don't pay for any of that stuff. It's really all social media. I stay connected with my clients on social media when it's formal project stuff that we're talking about. We uh, we go into the email and we have a thread about their project and what we do. We just email back and forth and 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 that's how I handle my professional and project work. Uh, but other than that. A less formal or informal way of doing that is just basically stay connected with them on on uh, on social media. That's how I do it. How do you make a great script? That is really hard, especially because I don't really write too many scripts. Um, I've had to write scripts in the past, but I don't think that it, it's like asking the question, how do you make a great video? It's really on you. Um, Look up and study who has done it the best. Study what their methods are, their techniques. Understand why they do it, and and basic and and basic either imitate it or or take it a step further. I, I think that's the best thing I can give you. I don't think that that that's what I follow uh, when I when I do my videos or whatnot. I, I see what works. I more than more than what see what works, but I see I try to get an understanding of you know shots, uh, equipment that's used, shots that are taken how they're taking the movements that are made, etc. That's, you know, that would basically, that's what I would answer. If the question was, how do you make a great video? But the question is, how do you make a great script? I would take the same concept and apply it to script writing. See who's the best, see what they do, how they do it, why they do it, understand the meaning behind it, and put all of that to practice. What is the one thing you always keep in mind when shooting or when writing? So, what I keep in mind when I'm shooting or I'm writing, not necessarily a script, but if I'm writing an outline to a video, what I always keep in mind is what is the final outcome? What is the purpose of this video? And is what I'm writing next going to allow me to achieve that purpose? Am I going to take my audience, my audience to, to where I want them to go to basically take, get, take, take it all in. So, especially for commercial work. Commercial work is a lot different than what I, the purpose of my, you know, passion work. Uh, commercial work, you have to be very upfront and bold about what message you're trying to portray because it's all about marketing and branding. And that's what I do with my client. My client is one of my clients and we always market their water, that they have good water ionizers, etc. So I have to make sure that as I'm shooting, I'm, I need to grab shots that will artistically and boldly market their product. And, and this makes it really hard just because the actual physical product, it's an actual, it's a water ionizer. That's, I mean, it's, it's kind of boring to the eye. So I have to make it not boring. And the way I do that is aside from the camera movements, you know, I can get the nice beauty shots that I get, but you know, I'll, I'll add a slider shot, but I'll also, you know, add some interesting music to it, maybe some voiceover, etc. So that's what I keep in mind. It's just what is it? What's the message that I'm trying to get my audience? Where I'm trying to take my audience, 
And is what I'm doing right now going to help me to achieve that? Why do I get multiple underexposed horizontal bars on my videos while shooting under low light with my Sony a6500? I'm not quite sure exactly what you're looking at, but I want to take a guess and say that those are LED lights that you're looking at. It's probably the same bars that you'll see if you point your camera at some specific uh, monitors. I would recommend that you play with your shutter speed, make uh, bring your shutter speed a little bit lower. That's what I usually do in, to eliminate those uh, those horizontal lines. I get them all the time, either from the some LED lights that are being used in, in my shot. Not necessarily from me. They just happen to be in position where where I'm shooting. Because, again, running gun, I, ha you know, I, I don't typically um, light uh, the scenes or uh, locations that I'm at. It, it just happens to be a practical light that's in my shot. And yeah, sometimes they do give me some horizontal uh, lines that are that are going up. But yeah, play with your shutter speed. Uh, usually bringing that shutter speed lower uh, will eliminate that stuff. Um, it, it, it's annoying because sometimes, yeah, you have to go to a setting that you won't typically put your camera in. But for the sake of the shot and how distracting those lines are, I know that the higher you put it, the worse that gets. So the lower you put it, vice versa. So anyway, so play with that. See if that works. What can you say to a man who begins to make films? Not the material, but techniques. What I would say to anyone that is just beginning making films is basically learn as much as you can. Go online, see what everyone's doing, see what they do, how they do it, understand the reason behind it, what it does for your films. And, and I would say try it all. If you haven't already decided what you want to do in terms of the kinds of videos that you want to make, Try everything. I've, I, I think I've tried most videos. It was only then when I was able to, to figure out what I wanted to do with my videos. And, and it helped me a lot. I have a lot of, you know, I gained a lot of experience from that. I learned what not to do, what to do, what not to do, what to stay away from. Um, and uh, I, it's just how I learned. So that's the only advice I can give for that just because that's the route that I took. And uh, it, I, I think it worked out well for me. Some people go to film school already knowing what they want to do and they just completely make a 180 degree turn and they're just doing something completely different. So it, I would say try it all. Try it all. Uh, practice it all. Understand techniques. Uh, go online. Go on YouTube. There's a ton of different videos online on YouTube that, you know, even some film students say they learn more on YouTube on online than they do in actual film school. But that's not to say I'm saying that you should go not go to film school. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. Go out there, understand um, what film is and and, you know, why you want to do it, what you want to do and how other people are doing that. And you would be on your way. All right. With that being said, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode number four of my podcast, iFilmMaker. I want to remind you guys that the giveaway is still going on on Film School. Remember, we're giving away two Zoom H4n Pros courtesy of Zoom Sound Lab and AVP Distributors. Go on Instagram, repost the image of this. It's either on uh, at Film School or at Ariel Martinez Jr., either one. Uh, repost the image. So you have to be following Zoom Sound Lab, AVP underscore distributor, and Ariel Martinez Jr., Repost the image and tag three of your friends and use the hashtag AVP giveaway for a chance to win one of two Zoom H4M Pros. It's an amazing recorder and I, I loved it when I had it. I've up upgraded since then, but I think a lot of you guys would definitely do some good stuff with that 
with with that recorder so with that being said thank you guys for listening and i will catch you on the next one (laughs) 